Dina, and she's helped with both of my adoptions. So I feel super blessed that Dina's got to introduce me tonight since she's really been a special part of my family's story along the way, which I'll share with you a little bit tonight. Um, and I just want to thank you for inviting me tonight and for sharing with our ministry and our families that are fostering in your community. You know, um, I wasn't going to share this story, but since we sang Jesus Loves Me tonight, I had a foster child, and the first night there in my home, I usually try to say, Jesus loves you. And one of them looked at me, and he said, I think there's a song about that. And I said, yes, there is, and I started singing it to him, and he said, would you sing that to me every night? And I was like, I will. Um, And he's basically like our fifth child today, even though a family in Salem, a great aunt of his, is able to raise him. Um, She's leans on us a little bit, and we love to have him. I don't know how God worked it out. All of our kids are better when he's in our home. It's awesome. We had a great day today. So anyway, thank you. Um, You know, God originally adopted all of us, so I feel like as his adopted children, we are definitely the most well-equipped to adopt other people's kids, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. So a little bit about my testimony and a little bit about fostering faithfully, if that's okay with you, and I know there's a big game you want to go to, so I'm not going to talk all night. So, um, If you don't mind, we'll put up the first slide a little bit. So um, we at Fostering Faithfully worked together to build a stronger community for foster kids. And as I began college, I was involved in a small church in Columbia, Missouri. And I came alongside a foster parent and met her at Walmart one day. She was kind of like my mom there. And she had a, a, a baby in what used to be a white onesie, but he was really just a bag of bones and severely malnourished and very, very dirty. And I met her at Walmart, and we took him home, and we cleaned him up, and we started feeding him, and he started growing, and he started thriving, and I watched him grow up over two years at that church in Missouri, and I watched those people foster other children and love other babies, and I got to be part of Jeffrey's story, and then I watched another family in the church adopt him, and I thought, I believe this is God's call in my life. I think that I just want to do mission work in this way because the Jesus I love was involved in people's lives, messy people, sinful people. And that's what I saw them doing at this church, really loving people and sharing the gospel with them in really authentic ways by loving their children. Um, And, you know, people are the only real investment with any eternal dividends. So I knew that's what I wanted to do for my life. So... On the next slide, I think you'll see um, our family, and I'm just, again, thankful to you all for the ability to share our story tonight. We've uh, fostered over five years now and loved over 30 strangers' kids in our home. We've adopted two daughters in the six years we've been with DSS, because first we were just an adoptive family, and we adopted the girl in the blue dress next to me. She came to us when she was two, and then we adopted her by the time she was two and a half. And about a year and a half, two years later, we really felt indebted to the foster family that took great care of our daughter. And so we said, all right, God, we believe we can do one more child with your help. And so we said, you know, we've done a toddler. Um, We wanted a baby originally. God sent us a a two-and-a-half-year-old. That worked out. So we told them, let's take another toddler. And this time, they called me with a 10-day-old. So I kept trying to tell them what I wanted, but God kept sending somebody different our way. And so I told them I'd take that 10-day-old, and um, I feel like God has a sense of humor. So she stayed, she was supposed to say a couple weeks until she could go to another family where she could be at a daycare when she was older and a little bit stronger. And um, she's five now. So 
But actually, we did end up having to let her go to some cousins who wanted to raise her in North Carolina, which was an experience for me because it was basically like letting go of a child, of, of my own child. But we didn't get into foster care to take people's children from them or to take people, you know, family members' kids that could raise them. So we walked in that room and we turned her over. And as God would have it, 14 days later, they called me and said, are you sitting down? And I said, no, I'm driving a car. And she said, well, you need to pull over. So I did. And she's like, do you want your baby back? And I was like, because I really thought I'd never see her again. And they were like, she's coming back into foster care. It's not going to work. And so we took our baby back, and um, she's five now. So you'll see her there in our picture. But that experience has helped me counsel and walk with other foster families who've let go of babies that didn't come back. And it's very, very difficult, as Janice spoke about. So I feel like God has used that pain as hard as that was in my life. And then about two years ago, during our fostering journey, I really could not sleep at night considering where all the Christians were uh, that were to be opening their families and their doors to to kids in foster care. So I couldn't sleep about it. We have about 76,000 people in Oconee County. Half of them statistically go to church, according to the stats. And we were down to 17 families when I took out the list that night. Uh, It was about 2014. And I was devastated because we had about 100 foster kids then and 17 families. Now, I counted up the other night, we have almost 50 families doing foster care in our county, which is an unbelievable miracle, really, for the size of our county. We still, um, you're going to see some of the numbers on the next slide that, um, yeah, that, You can go on to the next one. Some of our uh, need in Oconee County is definitely still there. And I just really feel like God's plan A for the orphan is believers' families. And there really is no good plan B, and the government can't really fix the problem. There's just too many kids. And, of course, as you know, we're trying to outpace in our community methamphetamines is the reason why most children are coming into foster care and I know most of them. But, um, and so you can see that in Oconee County, we're still 94 families short. Pickens isn't doing a whole lot better. Spartanburg's a complete disaster. You're talking 430 kids in foster care and about 100 foster families. So you can see that the need was great, and I had trouble sleeping. Um, and I knew that God was clear about the calling. He says it in James 1.27. You know, if you don't want to be uh, to take care of the widows and orphans, and he says that way you won't become polluted by the world. And I think sometimes we forget that piece of the scripture. And I've learned a little bit about that because when you're taking care of them, you're too darn tired and busy to be polluted by the things of the world. So um, it is uh, it is a lot to take on, and I do understand that as I talk about foster parenting, that it is a big commitment and it is a hard commitment. But I just believe that we, as the people who have the Holy Spirit living in them, are the best equipped to take on some of these really strong emotions that come with loving kids that might leave, that come with raising kids who are very different than us sometimes. Um, And the best part to me about keeping children as our county is, you know, after they lose their families, it really breaks my heart to see that sometimes they also then turn within 24 hours and lose lose their siblings as we have to split them up to Myrtle Beach, Charleston, um, Iva, Wherever, wherever there's an open bed that night, that's where they all get deposited. Sometimes six and seven kids split up at a time. And, you know, that means they're traveling a very long distance 
to see their relatives every month. They miss a lot of school. They don't get to see their siblings that much. And it's just a huge loss. And since our families, through Fostering Faithfully, are doing life really close together, walking almost as a small group, but we're all in churches all over this county, we've been able to place siblings working with DSS in our foster homes where they all see each other, where they might go to church together, but at least they see each other monthly at meetings, and we all do life together and see each other. So as we've added families to our team, that's just been a huge blessing. Um, I know it's hard, and I just wanted to share a little bit about, you know, God has been so faithful. He says, when that little boy's screaming at my back door, you know, trying to get out, why can't you take me to my daddy? Why can't you take me to my daddy? I want to cry, and I want to get down on the floor and sob with him, but um, somehow God strengthens us to do the work, to say what we need to say. Um, He says his power is made perfect in our weakness, that he promises he binds up broken hearts. This past year, um, two little boys came to live with our family who just lost their mother, and they had no other family that we thought. (laughs) Some family came two weeks later, um, and they didn't know them. But we got to know them over the next few months. They spent the summer with us. We got to take him to the ocean for the first time and um, camping and to the lake. We had a lot of great memories with those little boys while they got to know their family. But it really does grow your faith to sit by a child's bed and tell him, Jesus still loves you, even though you've lost the one person you had in this world. And you're in a stranger's house tonight. And we're going to walk through your mom's funeral this week. And we're going to go get you some clothes, and we're going to go to your house, and we're going to get your things, um, which were covered in roaches. Um, And God met us there and worked us through that, Um, his loss and our loss. Um, And he draws near to us, just like he promises he will when we're in those situations that seem overwhelming for me. Can you imagine what they were like for the child? Um, But fostering isn't always heartbreaking. Some nights, there's nights where I ask, you know, one of my little foster sons, you know, what can I do for you tomorrow that might make your day better here at my house? What kind of food do you like? Because, you know, food's real comforting to everybody. Um, And he said, deer meat and torn on the top. And I thought, that is awesome because I've got both of those in my freezer for you. And so sometimes it's just the easy things that you do with your children, um, reading books, throwing a ball in the yard, teaching them how to swim, that these kids have never had those experiences. And I just was determined to find families and encourage and equip them to do the simple things these kids need to restore their childhood, but also walk through the more complex things fostering will call you to do. Um, And a lot of believers, of course, say, oh, I can't foster parent because I can't let kids go. But even on my worst day as a foster parent, my worst day, I'm so frustrated with DSS. Biological parents see me as the enemy. Everything seems to be going wrong. The teachers are emailing. The kid's wet in the bed. On the worst day, I still say that my problems or my pain will never compare with what these kids have lost and experienced. And so I'm not going to stand there and say I won't do it because I'll get too attached because they absolutely need somebody to say, you're worth it. Jesus does love you. You're valuable to him Um, because a lot of these kids do feel cast aside by the system and their families. Okay, we can move on to the next one. Um, And I did just want to mention that South Carolina, unfortunately, has the bad name for institutionalizing more children than any state in the nation. 
and that is sad for me. Um, But when we step out in faith, I just wanted to say that, you know, you often experience great risks when you take any kind of mission trip. You know, you sign up, you know your end dates, you know when you're going on a mission trip, when it's going to start, when it's going to end. Even if you're in a remote country, you pretty much know when you're going to get back to your couch and your warm water. And that's not quite how foster parenting is because you decide at the front end, I'm going to do this, and then when they call... You don't really have a lot of time to pray about it, per se, because there's a social worker waiting, and sometimes I'll say, let me call my husband. There's not a lot of time to think at that moment, is this God's will, is this God's plan, because you know it is. Um, But sometimes you just have to process, you know, is this the right case for us? And we have said no about um, some cases. But you basically do say, Lord, here I am, send me, however long this takes. And sometimes it's four days. Sometimes it's weeks, and sometimes it's years, as she mentioned. Um, but you go on your mission trip, and for us, it's always an adventure. My children love doing foster care. They keep us doing it every time we say yes again. They're right beside us, standing there wanting to say yes. And we originally said we would just um, love the children. We don't really want to have anything to do with their families. But the truth is, in about 99% of the cases, we've ended up getting real involved with their families. Um, had a great relationship with our daughter's mother, our last adoption. Um, she just wasn't ready to parent at the end of the day. So, um, And she knows she could still call me, but hasn't in a very long time. But um, I wanted to introduce you to some of the kids we fostered. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's some more numbers. There they are. Okay. Um, So that's some of the kids that we've fostered over the years. Um, We have taken a few sibling groups that you see in the corner. But I wanted to just say it is hard work, but when you, you know, take a lot of great risks, you get to see a lot of miracles. And I feel like that's one of the great parts of this ministry. This little guy in the hat came to us not speaking at all nothing, not a word. And just within three months, I would say the social was like, how many words does he have? Because she had some developmental points. I'm like, I don't know. I can't even count them anymore. He's talking so much. It was amazing to see what a little bit of nurture would do. A lot of our families have had children come into care with medical needs. And it's amazing what a six months, three months of food and nurture and sleep will do for a child. It is a miracle to behold. Um, and then we had two kids in that picture with our cooler going to the creek there that had been kidnapped from another country. We've had two foster kids that were in our children's classes at school. Not in the school, in the actual classroom with my child. And I think it's wild that they ended up at my home. It had to be a God thing because placement is in Anderson. They don't know where any of these kids go to school. They call from the Anderson office and they say, will you take a child? Sometimes they don't even have the right age. Two times we've said yes and then a different child showed up the wrong age. Uh, (laughs) They only missed it by about a year usually. Sometimes the child doesn't have the right name, which is always interesting at the pediatrician. They're like, no, his name is Johnny Smith. I'm like, good to know. Um, So anyway, they try to get us the information they can. But uh, we've had, and I think that's amazing that God cares so much about these children that he would land them in the exact home that they could wake up the next day and go to their class with one of their classmates. It's only odd when I bring in cupcakes, the other kids are like, that's your mom now? That's mom's mom. So that's a little bit funny. But um, the, uh, the little boy in the corner came to us deathly afraid of water. So every bath was very traumatic. And one day my husband was finally, I mean, even washing his hands, he was like, wouldn't even 
put them in there, you know. And so finally, Miles was like, what is wrong? Like, what? Why? Can you tell us why? And he just said that somebody had thrown him in a pool once. And he's like, I told them I could not swim. I told them I could not swim. Well, we've taken him to the ocean multiple times now. And I just think it's a miracle every time I see him. He's out there, waves crashing over him. And I think it's amazing to see those kind of miracles in kids' lives and um, see them make school academic gains with some help, you know, getting them an IEP started and different things like that, that, you know, normal families advocate for their children so that they don't fall through the cracks. Um, So I just wanted to say it is an opportunity to share the gospel with their families. And it's not always, you know, addicts. And sometimes there's people who've made a simple wrong choice. And um, sometimes it's loving their extended family who didn't do anything wrong to lose a child, a grandparent, a great aunt. We've given uh, children to grandparents from New Jersey who came here for their grandchildren. And so to, to watch them walk through that and be beside them doing that as a believer is a great calling. We've done hospital shifts with medically fragile and disabled children that need foster parents there in the room with them 24-7. Um, and that's been kind of life-changing, especially since my own child was recently hospitalized, to consider that there are children going through a medical crisis with no one, with shift workers of foster parents. Um, just moves me and continues to motivate me to find families for children. Um, We've loved two foster children on their birthdays. One, when the social worker called, I said, well, she said, he's getting ready to turn five. And I said, well, when does he turn five? She said, today. So I was like, oh my gosh. I called Jonas at work. I'm like, you need to get a cake at Walmart and you need to, I'm going to invite a few people over tonight. So we did that and we had his birthday and it just always reminds me of the sobering responsibility it is to tell a child that you love them and that you cherish them on their birthday. Um, we, of course, we still have fears doing this. Um, it's still overwhelming at times, but we feel like for our family, it's built a lot of leadership skills in our children over the years, the ability to share their things. Your children don't soon forget when a child sits at your kitchen table and he's just wolfing down food, wolfing down food, and he'd already vomited multiple times in his months in our home. And I was finally like, Aiden, just slow it down, man. Like, the food's going to be here. And he was like, I was like, have you ever been hungry here? But I meant like here. But he said, yes, I have been hungry. I had beer for dinner one time because that was it. That was all that was in their fridge. And he said, me and my sister drank it because our bellies were hungry. And my entire kitchen table was dead silent. One of my kids started going like that. And I was like, I'm so sorry. You just don't have to eat that fast here then. Just slow it down Um, because the food will always be here for you here. You don't have to worry about that. But those kinds of experiences are really life-altering for my children and have developed a heart of compassion in them. So as we continue to grow and recruit families to come alongside and foster kids, we developed um, Fostering Faithfully. It's kind of already going on in the background, but we didn't have a 501c3 number at the time, so I would just go around begging for cribs and mattresses, I still do, and um, car people to help us buy car seats because when you take a sibling group of four or three, it's a lot of car seats, and that's very expensive. So um, we were trying to help families because, as you saw on the screen, nationally about half of foster families quit within the first year. 
And some of them it's because they adopted, which is still a great outcome. But because we find so few, I feel like it's a very valuable community resource to invest in. So Fostering Faithfully was created, and you can see up there some of the things that we do um, to encourage and equip foster families. You can go to the next one. So first of all, of course, we raise awareness and advocate for the need for foster families. I lead a support group once a month where everybody can come together, and we do do some crying, but a lot of times we talk about tools and tricks of working with the court system and working with social workers and guardian ad litems and um, some tools and tricks you need in your toolbox with traumatized children. But our biggest ministry is really our resource center that Lindsay runs, and we've served 98 kids in six months, which is pretty amazing. We serve kinship for a little organization like ours. We serve kinship caregivers. Um, A lot of people have helped us with diaper drives and socks, underwear, um, and pajamas. A lot of these kids, we love giving them new pajamas because they've never had anybody clean them, put pajamas on them, and tuck them into a bed, and that's important to me. Um, We do care bags for um, foster kids, so we make sure each child that comes into care in our county gets a bag with his or her name on it, a big, nice duffel bag for all their new things. We do do many grants for things I talked about, car seats, cribs, um, licensing needs for families. If they have to put in a new window to their house to get licensed, we'll pay for those kind of things. Uh, We've served 82 meals so far with our meals ministry, so if you like to cook... We had a family take two kids in today, a medically fragile one-year-old and an eight-year-old, and they're going to get supper on the table tomorrow from our organization. Um, Of course, we do things to support social workers. They have a really hard job, um, including one thing they asked us to do, which was buy snacks for the kids at DSS because these kids have to travel long distances sometimes for counseling or to see families, or they just sit there and wait at DSS a lot. So um, we do buy them some snacks, and uh, we've partnered with churches to do back-to-school shoes the past couple years because I believe that they need to go to school looking as sharp as every kid in there. Um, We provide meals for the families before FPA meetings. Foster parents have to have about 28 hours of training every year to remain licensed. You can move it to the next one. Thank you. So we do um, we do provide training every month as well as a meal before that training and child care for about 40 to 50 kids. So if any of you like to work with kids, we can always use volunteers for our child care. We also plan to send every foster parent in our county to the state conference, which is lucky for us in Greenville every year. So our families don't have to go far for that training, and they can get a lot of their hours there. Um, Another ministry that I love is that, and our families have been really appreciative of, is that we sponsor birthday parties for foster kids because we want every kid to be able to go to Flipsters or the Ninja Place or have a pony party if that's what they want. So we try to help them make sure their birthdays in foster care are really special. Um, Last night we did one of our many date nights for foster families. We had 54 kids at Wahala Power Tumbling for a fun night for foster families to go out. So that's another thing we uh, spend money on so that these foster families can really spend some time on their marriage and talking because it is something on a marriage. Both people got to be all in, right? So um, we let them go out every once in a while for a date night. And then, of course, if you would pray for us and our families, sometimes foster families get real involved in the messy web of sin that they didn't spend themselves and that you know are involved in some of these families. And also there's the transitions back home, but there's a prayer guide on our website 
And I would just treasure your prayers for our foster kids and our foster families who are doing this work. Um, And I will be here afterwards if you guys, I know you want to get off to the Super Bowl, but I'll be here to talk to you if you'd like to get involved with us in any way or if you're interested in fostering or um, know someone who might be, I would love for you to send them our way. We will not leave them on their own. I can promise you that. (laughs) Thank you guys so much uh, for your uh, yard sale you're doing to support us and just also, like I said, for your prayers for us. Thank you.